thought when I got into business that it was an easier option than working for somebody else because I get to manage my own schedule, but that's not the case. You are bogged down with stress because you know that you don't have um, the luxury of being able to rest on your laurels knowing that you'll get a paycheck in two weeks. There's no such thing as a paycheck in two weeks. Every small business starts off as a dream for some hopeful entrepreneur. In reality, that dream of success and occupational freedom may be a bit harder to achieve than imagined, but it can be done. My guests today are both intimately acquainted with the successes and failures that come with striking out on your own. One of my philosophies, even before we opened, was before I was good, I was bad. And so to me, I knew I wanted to do something, but it didn't make a difference what I was going to do. I was going to be horrible at it at first and then hopefully get better over time. Coming up, my conversation with Ryan Cobbins and Tan France. Hear about their rocky starts, core philosophies that help them thrive, and how they're continuing to navigate an unpredictable business landscape. Welcome to Boost My Business, an original podcast from Boost with Facebook. I'm David Fisher. As Chief Revenue Officer, I get to meet and connect with all kinds of people, from CEOs of major corporations to entrepreneurs and small business owners. It's part of my job that I love and something I want to share with you through this podcast. I'll bring together unexpected pairings of small business owners and industry leaders to explore surprising parallels in values, experiences, and ideas. In addition to powerful conversations, I'll share practical tips and takeaways to help you on your business journey, whether you run a local business or a global enterprise. Today, I'm joined by two dynamic entrepreneurs who have both experienced the highs and lows of starting a business. Now, having found success, they're here to share their learnings with other small businesses. My first guest serves up coffee and conversation in Denver, Colorado. Ryan Cobbins is the owner of Coffee at the Point, which is a community-inspired and community-driven coffee and wine lounge in the heart of the Five Points neighborhood. Ryan is also president of operations for a local hospitality group that supports small businesses in Denver. So glad to have you here, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me. My second guest, Tan France, is an expert in personal and business transformation. In addition to being an entrepreneur, fashion designer, TV personality, and New York Times bestselling author, Tan works with small businesses as the host of Boost My Business with Tan France. You can see seasons one and two for free on Facebook Watch. It's great to have you with us, Tim. Hello, David. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's get to it. Ryan, rumor has it that you're actually not a big coffee drinker. Can you tell us about that <laughs> as, as well as what inspired you to open a coffee shop of all things? Yeah. A, the reason why this is such a long shot for me is because A, there's not that many chocolate people doing coffee. And then B, um, I, I think before we open, I probably drank a vanilla latte from Starbucks with extra vanilla syrup once every six months, maybe. 
Well, of course, it's once every six months. If you're drinking that, you don't want that more than (laughs) twice a year. You'll have diabetes by the end of a year. But I, I, I consider myself an eternal optimist. And to me, there's nothing more optimistic, right, than sharing a cup of coffee with somebody. And, and what we've found over the last several years, in the last 10 years, is that there are a number of folks doing a number of big things and small things um, really around the globe that end up conducting that business in a coffee shop. And so the impetus for kicking it off was really the fact that it was about two blocks away from my house, which was a great commute. Um, But more than anything, right, the true reason was, like, I remember laying in bed and my wife saying, hey, this space has become available. You should take it over. And now she said it as a joke, but I took it as a challenge and just ran with it from there. Wow, you started your career as a bet? That's impressive. What was funny, it it was like a one-way bet, too. Like, my, my wife had no idea she had made this bet. Well, let's tell us a little bit about that. I mean, congratulations on the 10 year anniversary. And as you both know, unfortunately, entrepreneurs, especially first-time entrepreneurs, experience failure very often. So can you talk, Ryan, a little bit about the learning curve and how you were able to overcome what I'm sure were some serious challenges to get to this point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I should say the the one thing that keeps me going is I read. I read and I read and I read. And, and, and most of my reading is nonfiction leadership, professional development stuff. And so one of my philosophies, even before we opened, was before I was good, I was bad. And so to me, I knew I wanted to do something, but it to me, it didn't make a difference what I was going to do. I was going to be horrible at it at first and then hopefully get better over time. And so the, the coffee shop was no exception to that. And, and it's been tough. You know, if, if we were doing this thing via Zoom or anything else or Facebook Live, you'd see that I've lost just about all my hair in this process. <laughs> but at the same time, um, I'm reminded by a number of the books that I've read to, to keep putting one foot in front of the other and that in order to have success, I've got to double my rate of failure. And the, the opportunity for us to set up this coffee shop with me not being a barista previously is that we were able to set up a place that made sense to me, right? That wasn't, wasn't like, th- this is in a book and it has to be done this way, or this is how all the coffee shops do it. You know, our space is the way that Ryan wanted it to be. And, and we were uh, really blessed enough to, to have it kind of, in, in some cases, work out that way and then continue working through, you know, next phases of where we need to be next. Tan, for you, most people I think know you from your hit TV shows, but may not realize that you were actually a successful entrepreneur before that. Similar to Ryan, you worked hard, sacrificed a lot to get your company off the ground. So can you tell us about the early years and some of the challenges that you faced? Yeah, uh, the most frustrating thing is people just assume that I'm an entertainer and have always been an entertainer, but this is definitely a second career, like a bonus career. Um, And the reason why it does frustrate me that most people assume I just am the person that makes things pretty is because I went through so much uh, stress and heartache to get to the point where I was able to just make things pretty for a living. I started my businesses, um, I think about 10 and a half years ago. I no longer have them, but I, I always knew I wanted to uh, have my own businesses. My parents were entrepreneurs. I come from a long, long line of entrepreneurs. So being my own boss was the only uh, viable option for me. And quite honestly, 
I hate being told what to do. And I think that most people are uh, incredibly <laughs> dumb. I just don't <laughs> like uh, being told what to do by a boss. And so I thought, well, this is my only option. I've got to be my own. I decided I wanted to get into fashion. I was living in America um, and I was working for a company here and the company was sold and I, I could no longer stay on the visa I was on. I had only one option, which was to go home and I had no job back in England. I hadn't been there for a long time. And so I started my business early with the money that I had saved up, which was next to nothing. Definitely not a large enough sum to start a business. However, I started the business and this is going to sound like a Facebook, Instagram promo. I, I swear to whoever's listening to this, that's not the case. When I say the only thing I knew was how to run a business through social media, because I am a millennial and I have spent the majority of my adult life on social. Um, and so I didn't have the money to pay for things like marketing and commercials and billboards. And so I started my business through Facebook and Instagram. And the, quite honestly, the, the first two years were uh, truly hellacious. I couldn't even afford coffee. Ryan, believe me, I could not have afforded to come into your coffee shop eight years ago. I am uh, Muslim and part of our religion is that we're encouraged to not use finance when we don't um, take interest or receive interest. And so therefore we don't use credit. And so everything I put into the business was my own. And that was important to me. And so that made business incredibly hard. And thankfully, within a couple of years, things started to really go well, finally. And, and, and thankfully, at that point, I was able to pivot the business enough to make enough changes to react to my changing market to really build the business over the, the following six years. And I ended up starting two more companies after my initial kingdom estate business, which were also in apparel. And, and then I sold them a few years later once they were profitable enough. You talked a little bit about, I think your phrase was stress and heartache. Yeah. And I think that's something that so many entrepreneurs experience. It's not always easy to talk about it because um, mm -hmm. sometimes maybe you feel like you're the only one going through that. Can you give examples and talk about how you overcame that? To yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I'm in a very, very privileged position now where I don't have to sell anything other than myself. I get paid to be me. And if you had told me that was possible 10 years ago when I started my business, uh, I would have thought you were insane because it, it feels like a real luxury. Whereas as most business owners know, um, you are selling no, no matter what service or product you're offering, you have to be a decent salesperson to really convince people to buy your product. And it was really stressful. I would like to believe I'm a, a, a strong salesperson. However, the stress came from not knowing how I was going to be able to afford to produce the product I wanted to produce or if the product did really well, if we did start to do well as a business, would I be able to afford to keep up with the demand, making sure that I was earning enough to pay my employees. The stress was constant. I do not remember a time within those seven and a half years where I, I didn't feel stress. Um, I thought when I got into business that it was an easier, possibly an easier option than working for somebody else because I get to manage my own schedule. I get to decide what I want to do each day, but that's not the case. You are bogged down with stress because you know that you don't have um, the luxury of being able to rest on your laurels knowing that you'll get a paycheck in two weeks. There's no such thing as a paycheck in two weeks. And so that that was the stress, was making sure that I could afford to pay my bills, scale my business, and the responsibility of having employees and knowing that if you screw up and that business fails, that's that's a realistic outcome for so many. But it was just so terrifying to me to know that I could affect my employees' lives in such a negative way if I don't succeed. So the pressure was 
a, a pressure I've never felt in my entire life. And and now doing the job that I do, I I, I would have assumed that a, a, product, a, a job like this is incredibly stressful. I do live TV a lot. I'm in front of a massive crew a lot. I will take the pressure of this over the pressure of business any day because uh, at least I know I don't have to worry about bills. I don't have to worry about where my next paycheck's coming from. Whereas as a business owner, that is, you are consumed by it. Yeah, you, you, you pretty much, you eat what you kill is what they... Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely that's the case. So when you talk to entrepreneurs now who are going through those challenging times, like what you're describing, what do you tell them as you see them going through it? There's no one correct message for the people I help. So um, working on Boost My Business has been interesting because I've helped friends and family members before with businesses and and I've given them all the, the advice I possibly can. Um, but their businesses are uh, usually very different to the businesses I had. However, I think that there's just certain things that are universal. And so the advice I give to anyone that I speak to as a business, and especially on the show Boost My Business, is that um, you, you've got to get over what you think is the business that you were destined to have. So for example, I had no desire when I started my business to do swimwear. Never thought of making swimwear. However, my clothing was doing just fine, but the swimwear market was killing it. And I knew I wanted a piece of that pie. I didn't know how to do it, but I I better make it work and I better learn how to do it if I'm going to make my business work. It's a category that must be added if I want to make sales within those summer months. And so I think the importance of pivoting and just doing things that you know are right for the customer because your customer needs it, your audience needs it, as opposed to you being so rigid in what you desperately want because that was your dream. I think letting go of the initial dream and learning to adapt to your actual customer base and not the customer base you dreamt of having is the most important piece of advice I can give to anyone. I mean, you use the word pivot, which uh, I'm going to use to talk pivot to talk about this current climate and specifically COVID-19. And we know that so many businesses have been hit hard, but we know restaurants uh, are among those across the U.S. who are hit hard and face tremendous difficulty and uncertainty. Ryan, tell us what it was like for you when the pandemic began and how it's changed the way that you do business. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, and I jotted that word down, pivot, because I think it means a few different things. So f- for us, and, and keeping in mind the, the, the current environment, as of about three hours ago, the governor of Colorado and the mayor of Denver were on a press conference of which our city is, is beginning the processes of re-shutting down. Right. And so as of Friday, our lobby area of our restaurant will be closed. And, you know, Tam, Tam was right. You know, as an entrepreneur and, and even in other areas, you eat what you kill. And so now when I jump off this call, you know, things will transition to ensuring that we make payroll next week. Right. We need every dime that we can now to make payroll. Um, when it comes to pivoting, you know, back in March, our restaurant was shut down. Our lobby areas were shut down in the beginning of this pandemic. And in some cases, we had restaurants and I had peers of mine that were pivoting in terms of, for example, you're a coffee shop and all of a sudden now you are going to pivot to being a grocer, right? That was one arena where folks pivoted. And I made the decision to actually um, pivot in terms of let's take this time and get better and sharpen our acts, right? I, I once read a book that said, hey, if you have 
10 hours to chop down a tree. I'm going to spend nine hours sharpening my axe and one hour chopping the tree. And so what we did was we used that time to re-engage with our staff. We had a staff of 22 people. We also used that time to analyze our labor practices, take a look at our expenses. We reevaluated our vendors. And to give you an idea, you know, with one of our vendors, we, we were getting breads from four different vendors. And we were actually able to consolidate all of those into one. And that period actually allowed us the time to actually think through some of these processes where sometimes things move kind of fast. And so what does the pivot mean now, nine months down the road, when we are when our lobby will close? Um, you know, I, I'm on a call after this to kind of reevaluate what what is it that we want to do. You know, our number one priority is taking care of our staff. And, and what does that look like? So by, by all means, it's, it's challenging, um, but it's also part of the gig as well. Ken, what's this been like for you and your role where you meet and uh, interact with lots of business people from all sorts of backgrounds? I mean, it seems that you're, if anything, maybe busier than before. So how has your work evolved in this crisis? I, I am uh, very, very, very fortunate in that I have been able to work um, throughout this. I, I don't do my regular job. I don't get to shoot the shows that I that I host um, in a studio, but I'm able to do other work. And that means that I'm able to work with people that ordinarily I wouldn't get to work with. And that includes small business owners. Um, I, I did panic when COVID hit and realized that we weren't going to shoot again for quite some time. I started my businesses during uh, the last economic crisis. And I, I mean, I know that's an in, insane time to start it, but I had no choice. And I started during uh, a recession. And so I, I understood the pressure. I remember those feelings. And uh, and so I decided to do what I did um, when I was struggling with my businesses before. I even though I don't own an actual business, I am the business now. I am the brand, uh, and I have to find ways to earn money. And so I I just started doing things that I hadn't done for the last few years, which is finding different partnerships with companies to really promote their brands in a different way and helping consult with companies to say, I I know what it feels like to use social media properly. Let me teach you how to do that. I know how to run a business. Let me teach you how to do that. And so I found myself doing work that I haven't done in a very, very long time, which is focusing on building a business, which just so happens to be myself at this point. But it's actually, it's reminded me of the fact that none of us can take for granted the the jobs that we have, the, the roles that we, we play. Um, because something like a pandemic can kick in and it rocks your world completely. We're entering the holiday period now, and this is such an important time for so many businesses. But of course, it's entirely different in some ways with the pandemic. So wondering how you're thinking about the challenges at this time and what advice you might offer to other businesses in navigating this. Um, I'm going to start with consumers because business owners also are consumers um, uh, really understand that the situation that you're in and, and think how other people might feel if they have a business and they could really do with your support also so supporting small business as much as possible I've been talking about this for quite some time on my social media since COVID hit the importance of su- supporting your local businesses the likes of uh, Ryan's business yes um, you may love that coffee from that major chain uh, a, a coffee shop, but they probably don't need 
or don't rely on your business as heavily as those smaller businesses do right now. So really do consider where you're spending your money if you do have disposable income to use. And as far as businesses uh, gearing up for the holidays, um, decide on uh, decide on a real plan of what you want to achieve that's different from last year. Don't think that you can go into this with the same plan as you did uh, in previous years. There will be major changes that have to be made if you really want to um, try and hit those uh, sales figures that you did last year. Um, my advice would be, again, this is going to sound like a spiel, but it truly is how I created my businesses that I was then able to sell and retire at 32. I, my, the, the best advice I can give is understand your demographic or understand the demographic that you now know you need to hit in order to make the, the sales that you need to, to make. Makes sense. Ryan, how about you? Yeah, you know, I'm trying to think of something profound to say to top tan, and that's just not possible. <laughs> just, just not possible. <laughs> you know, the, the one thing that we're doing differently is that we have migrated over to a new point of sale system that now provides us to do and to provide customers with digital gift cards. Right. And so now you don't have to call me with your credit card information. You can go right online and order gift cards. We tend to recognize in the restaurant industry that November, December are just slower months. And so usually we use your months of June, July, August, September, some of October to build up your reserves for November and December and January. The difference, though, from last year to this year is that we didn't have the runway right now to build up those reserves. Um, And so the the pivoting that we'll do is, A, we have a conversation with our staff. We're very transparent with our staff and involve our staff in the brainstorming of, you know, how we're going to make it through to the spring. We have such a brilliant group of folks. Um, And so the one thing that I implore other business owners to do is if you have a staff of one, two, 10, 20 or whatever, I've never seen it go extremely bad, right, to be transparent with your staff folks. Now, our staff, you know, they get our sales numbers on a weekly basis, so they know exactly how we're doing. And and they also recognize that my priority is to take care of them. Um, uh, If if you haven't done much that's too dissimilar to what you did last year, I would encourage you to embrace your local community as much as possible. And I think that's the gold. That is the magic dust we have in our towns or our cities, you and I, which is that we are in smaller communities where people will support you more than they would in uh, the likes of New York. They probably have no idea what your name is if you have a coffee shop in New York, but they probably do where you are. And I'm sure that if you found a way within your local community to really get your community involved. And I'm not saying we're asking for charity here at all. I'm saying really cater to your community and the community that knows you. I'm almost positive you'll see greater results if you if you really do embrace that community. I think that's the beauty of where we live, um, is that we have people who understand who we are and what we're trying to achieve. And they don't want to see their favorite local coffee shop go under and have um, another chain replace it. I appreciate that, Tan. And, and you, you reminded me as well, you know, especially after, after an election, when we see our country almost be divided, that there's one common theme that runs through no matter what side of the fence you lie, that you, that you land on, which is 
we as Americans and as people and even as immigrants and as, you know, black folks, white folks or whatever you want to call yourself, I call myself chocolate. We are genuinely a caring and sincere society. Right. So I appreciate that. You just talked about being a caring society, Ryan. And every time you've talked about your business, you've mentioned that the people who work for you, your employees, are your first priority. You talked about how you're transparent and share sales figures with them. I'm wondering, how did you arrive at that management philosophy, something not every business does? Yeah, you know, David, I once had a mentor that said, if you don't like it done this way, then put your britches on and go out there and do it the way you want it done, right? And so I have always felt like I was in the dark no matter where I worked. I've always felt like no matter where I worked, folks almost tried to keep me there. One of the best jobs I had was where I was working before opening this coffee shop and I had two supervisors. And I remember one day they pulled me in the office and they said, hey, Ryan, we were listening to your calls and... Uh, we don't want you using those big phrases anymore. You know, and I was and I was sitting there like, huh? What do you mean big phrases? And so they gave me some quote I said or something I said. How I interpreted that was, oh wow, you don't want me to grow. Like you want to keep me here. And so when I created the coffee shop, we were all about us becoming this stepping stone for folks to the next part of their life. And so we created this atmosphere to where we didn't have set shifts at all. We lived off this servant leadership kind of model where you tell me that number of hours you desire in a week. What's your maximum number that you desire in a day? What's the minimum number? Um, and what are your passions? Where do you you're going to school or, you know, you're playing this. You've got this hobby. You know, you enjoy dance. And so tell me what those are like. And then I will build the schedule according to that. And that was my way of saying to my previous employer that I love, forget y'all. This is how it should be done, right? And so some of the things that we do at the shop are basically the way that I would want them done if I was working somewhere else. That's that's really interesting and frankly pretty different from, I think, the way a lot of businesses operate. Tan, let me just ask you a really general question, but building on what Ryan just said. What's an approach that maybe you took or that you recommend to, to other entrepreneurs that maybe goes against the grain of, of how most people manage? <laughs> um, I, so uh, I, um, I wrote a book um, a couple of years ago and in it I talk about my businesses. And one of the things that seemed quite shocking for a lot of people was my spiel I gave on the day that people started with my companies. It's a very simple spiel that I I want you to understand that if I catch you uh, bitching about somebody else, if you speak really negatively about one of your colleagues, I assume that you're the problem. I assume that you're the weak link within our company. If you really have a problem with somebody uh, in our company that's doing something the way that you don't like it being done, talk to them. You guys should be a team. I'm not able to be here all day, every day. I need to make sure that things are operating well without me. 
at the office. And so if I find that you're the one complaining to me every day, you're the problem, you're the issue in my business and negativity breeds like wildfire and uh, you're the one I will have to let go. I need you to understand that I need you to work together. Um, so talk about the problems that you have, talk about the disagreements and and iron those things out respectfully. Um, and that's how we grow this business. And I, I think that was quite jarring. And it's amazing what uh, a response that I had from my book, um, the amount of people that reached out who now adopt that in their own businesses. And I'm hoping it's helped. I don't tolerate nastiness at all. And it's something that I felt as an employee, and I vowed to never have that in my own business. You're both in situations right now where you've done the hard work and you've been successful, and have the opportunity to look at new opportunities coming your way. And I'm sure there are lots of business owners working towards similar goals, but maybe aren't sure how to identify when they've reached that point and how to take the next step. Ryan, you've added a new venture to everything else going on, so tell us a little bit about it. And how did you know when you had the room to take that next step and pursue another business? That's a good question. I think now, uh, and some of this might be a little bit selfish. I, I feel like specifically in the last two years, I've just kind of been in the lab reading and, and working on my health and paying attention a little bit more and um, starting to recognize wherever my blind spots are. I am looking back over the last 10 years of running the coffee shop knowing that I can spend the next 10 years just still ironing out things, getting alignment with our staff, working on you know, pr product integration and keeping up with the latest trends. Um, but I was also kind of seeking kind of a larger kind of platform to work from an occupational standpoint. At the start of this year, I was on five nonprofit boards as well. And so that was fulfilling kind of the other passion of mine, which was early childhood education. I have three little girls that are ages four, um, seven, and nine that, you know, I'm, I want to make sure that they're able to do some of the things that I wasn't able to do um, when I was younger. And now that I have this level of energy, I want to make sure that I keep my foot on the gas pedal um, as much as I can. And so that's kind of led to a few doors opening up that started with conversations that I, I was at first, I was against, and then things kind of slowly came around to looking at what my end goals were for myself personally and thinking, all right, well, I can probably achieve it a little faster and take the risk here um, and, and kind of took those chances. Tan, maybe, you know, you've mentioned you, you've sold a number of the businesses you started. How did you decide you were ready to sell and to move into another direction? This is probably um, way too much information, a little um, uh, a little deeper than you would have wanted me to go. But I'm going to just be honest, as I always am. Um, I did not want to suffer anymore through business. I loved business. I loved it very, very much, um, and I loved the businesses that I created, and I, and I couldn't be more proud of them. However, um, I had taken on too much. I got way too ambitious. I would never consider myself an incredibly greedy man. I always planned on selling my businesses after a certain point. Uh, but just opportunity after opportunity came up where there was a, a possibility of starting a new business. And I thought, well, I will take that. Uh, it makes sense for me to take that before somebody else does it. Um, but I think I grew too quickly. And therefore, I had so much stress. 
And quite honestly, I was really depressed. And at one point I actually did feel suicidal. Um, and I'd never felt feelings like that before. I'm, I'm the most positive person you could truly ever meet. When people see me on camera and they say you're the smiliest person, that is honest, it's not an act. I'm a very, very jolly person and I'm such an optimist. Um, and so to feel those feelings for those few months um, during my final year of business uh, really scared me. And I didn't like um, the person I saw in the mirror who was consumed with work, wasn't focusing at all on personal life. There was no work-life balance. It was only work. And that was the only thing I could ever think of. Um, and so that decided my my fate, my destiny. I, I just decided I don't want to be consumed by this all day, every day anymore. Uh, and I want to feel free to live again. Um, and so I sold them. I could have kept them another 10 years and made much more money uh, if I had waited. But as I said, I didn't feel like I was a greedy person. I thought this, I will be able to sell them enough to be able to live the rest of my life comfortably and to raise a family and to never worry about finances again. This is good enough. I think it's safe to say for everyone out there that 2020 has been a grind and it, it's a year that I think we're all going to be pretty happy to put behind us. So looking forward to 2021, I'm curious, what are some of the lessons that you're going to take away from this really challenging year that you hope to build on going forward? Um, for me, this is going to be selfish, but it is what it is. I, I plan to to do the things that I've done this year, which means that I'm going to take more time out for myself. Um, the last three years since I started uh, working in entertainment and then the seven and a half years before then uh, working in business, um, I worked practically every, every hour that God sent. I had 19 days off last year in 2019. In, that's not plus weekends, that's literally 19 days off. Um, and this year, I know that it's been um, hellacious for so many people, but for me, being in the position that I am where I don't have to worry about um, having consistent work necessarily, it's meant that I can slow down, spend time with the people that I love so greatly um, and feel like I'm a real person again, not just a robot working um, for the man. And so it's been really nice for me. And I, I already had 2021 planned by the time we were in January. Um, and now that's going to look very different, not just because of COVID restrictions, because I do plan on taking more time out to really enjoy my life whilst I'm still somewhat young. I think that's really important for my own mental health. And then just being a lot more active in the spaces that I'm currently active in. I was very, very active in Biden's campaign um, and to hopefully create a better future for our country and I'm, I, I plan to continue to use my voice for, for causes that I, I so strongly believe in. I'm a very new American. I became a citizen only a, a few short months ago. Congratulations. So I, thank you very much. And so I plan to push to make our country the very best it can be. Ryan? Yeah, I appreciate Tant. I mean, that's the incredible nature of people coming into this country to make it a better country. And we become better and greater the more people we can have and we can bring into the fold. My 2021, I am working on being more present for my little girls and even my wife. I've, I've got a pretty sweet setup at the house. So my office here dubs as the TV room. 
of which this is the place where everybody watches TV. And so part of me in years past, I feel like I'm present because I'm in the same room at the, with them, although I'm on one half of this room and they're all on the other half watching shows. And I'm recognizing that that's not truly the definition of being present. And so part of what I want to do once COVID kind of ends or subsides mid-year is take my family on a very nice vacation um, and really up the standards of um, what my kids are accustomed to. Um, and, and part of why I want to up the standards is I have three three little girls. And so no matter who decides to date them, <laughs> they're going to have to really work hard when it comes to taking them out to eat and all these other places. <laughs> but I also want to take 2021 and start working through a, re, a, a complete repivot of coffee at the point in the coffee shop. And instead of it being coffee at the point, I want to rebrand to the point and um, be a little bit more things to more people. And then the, the third aspect um, of this, be more involved in recognizing the impact of early childhood education um, with our young folks and the impact that COVID's had with even children not getting breakfast and lunch, which in some cases, schools were the only opportunities for some of our young people to get breakfast or lunch or a snack or go home with a, a lunch bag on the weekends. And so I want to dive a little bit more and, and really start to solve some larger issues in that realm. and Tam, thank you both so much for your time today and for sharing your unique journeys and insights. Thank you so much for having us, mate. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Dave. And I appreciate it, Tam. Nice to meet you, Ryan. Coming up, I'll share business tips and key takeaways from my conversation to help boost your business. At Facebook, we understand that businesses all have unique goals, but no matter the goal, whether promoting your local business or increasing online sales, we can help. At facebook.com business, we've created a dedicated space for business owners like you. Not only can you search content by business goal, you can also get a personalized marketing plan, step-by-step -step guidance, industry insights, and tools to track your progress all in one place and all for free. Get started today by visiting facebook.com slash business. I had a great time talking about entrepreneurship with Ryan and Tan. They both shared so many insights, but here are just a few that you should know. First, it's impossible to succeed without failure. Ryan's motto, before I was good, I was bad, exemplifies the growth that comes through perseverance. It's important to not let failure stop you, but allow it to propel you forward. Second, pay attention to your blind spots. As business owners and community leaders, it can be hard to focus on anything beyond what's right in front of you. But if you take the time to explore your blind spots, often you'll find there are opportunities you might have missed otherwise. And lastly, stay true to yourself and the reason why you started your business. Tan was incredibly open when he discussed how his mental health suffered as an entrepreneur, 
ultimately leading him to sell his businesses. Conversely, Ryan decided to double down on his business goals when he thought about his reasons for doing it, his daughters. They both did what was right for them. That's a lesson we all can learn from. You've been listening to Boost My Business, brought to you by Boost with Facebook. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. For more information, see the show notes or visit us at facebook.com business. I'm David Fisher. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.